We continue today with our sermon series, Great Expectations. The expectations that we have of God and perhaps the expectations He has of us that we don't always realize or fulfill the way that we should. I wonder if you would join me today in the most intimate of the Gospels, the Gospel of Mark. So we go to the 10th chapter, the end of that chapter in Mark, and we start at verse 46. And this is the story that Mark relays to all of us. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of God, David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called, the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Oh, say it like you mean it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. When I first started flying, I had 2012 vision which means that I could see at 20 feet what other people had to move up to 12 feet to see. I really enjoyed it going to flight surgeon physicals because you didn't read just the one line, you really struggled to get down there to those really long, small lines, like made in Evanstonville, Illinois, USA, at the bottom of the chart. Those days are gone for good. If I don't have my reading glasses on, I can't see worth beans. I I get lost, I get irritable, I get disconnected. You know, I don't think there's anything worse than going to a nice restaurant, not having your glasses, and trying to order off the menu. You know, instead of the prime rib with the large baked potato and green beans, that's absolutely fantastic, you get the house special. Tuna aha with a side of Brussels sprouts on a bed of hummus and tofu. Now, for some of you, that may sound good. But for the rest of us trying for that New York Prime strip, it's not. I need my glasses, especially when I read. Even those signs on the highway that I used to see from a long distance off, I got to get closer. Now, sometimes it really pays dividends, because when I get real close to Lori, I look at her and say, you are absolutely gorgeous, and she says, you're blind, you can't see. I said, no, I'm not. I love you. 
you're absolutely gorgeous. And then she finds this hair sticking out the side of my ear someplace over here. We have to cut that off. Isn't that true, sweetheart? Yeah. Laurie's sitting in the balcony making her way to the exit in the sanctuary here now. There was a tumult of excitement that day. A local celebrity with his disciples were passing by, and a large group of folks were gathered because they wanted to see this man that they'd heard so much about. He was passing through their town on the way to Jerusalem. And there had already been news of his compassion and his healing power even before he reached Jericho. People wanted to see him. People wanted to touch him. And when Bartimaeus learned that Jesus was passing by, he knew that this is his one opportunity to do something about his situation in life. For Bartimaeus was blind. He was a beggar. He was a social outcast. He was slid to the side of the road. He had to beg for his existence. And most of the time, people didn't pay him any attention whatsoever. This was the one opportunity to escape his life of despair. And he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And of course the crowd didn't like that. They wanted Bartimaeus to be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet, beggar. How often is that in our life when we try to to do something to lift ourselves out of the rubbish? We have other people to keep us down. But that didn't stop Bartimaeus just like it shouldn't stop any of us. Bartimaeus kept going, son of David, have mercy on me. And then something dramatic happened. Jesus stopped. He stopped amongst that tremendous crowd in the midst of all that throng of people on that street in Jericho. He was willing to stop even as he was on the way to the cross. He stopped and he says these words, call him. How in the world did Jesus possibly know it was Bartimaeus calling him? How could he have picked him out of that entire group of people, that throng? Goes back to last week's sermons. Do we have ears to hear when he calls us? Do we listen for our name and respond when Jesus calls us? Bartimaeus most certainly did. Because the people said, you're in luck, beggar. Get up. Go to him. He's calling for you. Bartimaeus, we're told by Mark, got to his feet and threw his cloak to the side and ran to Jesus. Now, the scholars will tell you that is a very strange thing to do. That cloak was probably the only physical possession that Bartimaeus had. He needed it for warmth in the winter. He probably needed to cover himself when he slept. But here he is in the midst of this excitement, throwing his cloak to the side. It's not easy for a blind man to try to find his cloak on the ground amidst hundreds and hundreds of people, is it? Perhaps he threw it out of excitement because he knew that this was the Messiah and the Messiah was going to heal him and he wouldn't need his cloak anymore. Or perhaps he was just so excited that Jesus had called his name and he had ears to hear it that he threw his cloak and went running through the crowd trying to find his way as blind people do, trying to find the source of the voice out there on the street on which he had begged. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Doesn't he ask that question of all of us? What do you want me to do for you? 
And Bartimaeus says these words, Rabbi, I want to see. Do you notice how extraordinary that request is? Bartimaeus wasn't asking anything beyond what you and I take for granted, our eyesight, our vision each and every day. He just wanted his eyes to work properly. He wasn't asking for a cushy lifestyle. He wasn't asking for a great, well-paying job. He wasn't asking for some beautiful woman to be married to. He said, all I want to do is see. All I want to do is to see that which I've never seen before. And Jesus, of course, knew Bartimaeus in his heart, and he says, go. Your faith has healed you. And Mark tells us that Bartimaeus immediately received his sight. Immediately. Now, ask a question. I have a question for you. What do you think Bartimaeus saw right after the scales fell off of his eyes, after all of those years of being blind? What was the first image in Bartimaeus' eyes? Jesus, the Christ, God incarnated, the one who had touched him, healed him with but a word, who changed his life immediately, was the one standing before him, and he could see Jesus. Bartimaeus didn't know what lay ahead. He didn't know that Jesus was on the road to Jerusalem and in days would be crucified. That this one opportunity on the dusty streets of Jericho would be the one and only opportunity to see the Savior. He took it, and he was never the same again. You know, I believe that's a universal need We all need to see Jesus. We may not always admit it, but I think all of us deep down inside of us, there is a void in which we need to see Christ. From the beggar in the streets of Calcutta to the New York banker on Wall Street in a three-piece suit, we all need to see Jesus Christ. So, my question to you today You expect God to see you. You expect him to keep track of you. You expect him to know where you are and what you're doing, even though there are a lot of times that we wish God didn't see what we were doing. But in fact, he does. So we expect God to keep track of us. But my question to you is, do you expect to see God? Do you expect to see God? Now, all of us say, well, I'll see him when I get to heaven. No, 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 no. Here, now, this life, do you expect to see God? We're just like the disciples, I think, sometimes. They walked three years with him and didn't really recognize who or what he was until he died. We heard all about Jesus Christ. We read about him. We sing about him. But my question is, do we really expect to see him? This side of heaven, do we expect to see him? First of all, the one place where we could see him is in his creation. And how often do we not take the time to see him in his creation? Oh, I know. There's a sunrise that comes up and you go, ooh, how beautiful. Or there's a sun that goes down and you go, ooh, how beautiful. 
but the rest of the world passes by, and we're too busy. We're too busy pumping gas, getting groceries, going to work, going to school. Right, kids? We're too busy. We've got homework to do, soccer to be at, places to go. We don't even see, see God. Now, you know we've had a lot of rain this week, right? Lots and lots of rain. And I have it on good authority that at least two occasions, because one I saw, there have been absolutely gorgeous rainbows in the sky. I mean, you could see the dynamic colors of the rainbow, and you could see God's fingerprints up there because nobody else put it up there. Now, for all of you scientific types, I do realize, I realize how it works. I realize how it works. But I've always believed that's God's fingerprints. Matter of fact, these rainbows were so beautiful that I have a confession to make. I was driving home, and I had my camera, and I was trying to take pictures of the rainbow while I'm driving. Actually, I even tried to take a video. I'm not sure how good it was. I got a lot of cars coming this way, but I'm not sure I got the rainbow. And as you well know, you can never catch the splendor of a rainbow. You can never catch its full beauty. It's something that you have to see right then and there. You have to see the fingerprints of God in his creation. How often do you stop and look for it? I even look for it in spiders and ants. I know most of us just want to, you know. I look for God. I look for his creation. Sometimes we're supposed to see it in others. We don't even see it in other people. We don't see it in ourselves. We don't see it in the need of others. Do you realize how many lonely, lost, sick people there are in the world? And yet somehow we don't see them very well. It's like we've got the wrong prescription. The homeless man on the street, the prostitute, the guy on the grate getting warmed in winter. You know how it is because I've done it too. can't see a thing can't see a thing. And yet what I'm telling you, there's God right there, right there. I love the story that they tell about the traveler who came to a monastery, and he called out to the, the abbot and asked the abbot, you know, what do I have to do to see God? How many days do I have to fast? How many prayers do I have to, to say? And the abbot said, you want to see God? You follow me. Follow him down the long, windy hallways, down the sterile, spa, st- sterile spiral staircases. Down there. You get up here and try this. Sparrow, the staircase. You know the things that go down? Okay, good. Down up into the dark, out there in the catacombs, they came to a kitchen filled with grease and dirty pots. And here was a monk, an old monk, a mentally deficient monk, greasy, mean and the abbot stares to the traveler and says, you want to see God? There. There's God. God is in the greatest. God is in the least of us, especially the least of us. If you have eyes to see and you expect to see him, you'll find him. You will see him. We see him in ourselves. We see him others in others. And we see him in the cross. We see him in the cross upon which he died because then we understand the plan that he has for us, the purpose he has for us in our lives. We're not just supposed to go through this life willy-nilly, doing whatever we want. We're supposed to go through this life serving him, expecting to hear him, expecting to see him, and expecting to do his will and his way. It's not a check mark on a box. 
You're supposed to be living testaments of Jesus Christ, and your expectations should fit. You should want to hear him. You should want to see him. Okay. Let me give you three things to think about. First of all, in seeing God, look at yourself first. Look at that person who stares back at you in the mirror in the morning. Do you see God there? Mm, Maybe. Maybe not. You see disheveled hair and his stubbly beard and all that? Do you see God? If we're really a child of God, we find our worth in Jesus Christ. It's not who we are. It's not the job we have. It's not the house we live in. It's not the money we have. Our worth is found in Jesus Christ. So if you want to see Jesus, look at yourself first. See the work that needs to be done there. Because God is in you if you are a child of God, and that should make all the difference in the world. How about others? Do you see God in other people? Do you look for him? Maybe you look for him in your brothers and sisters here in the congregation and go, whoop, God's not here today. Or do you look out in the community? Do you look for God in people that are poor or hungry or destitute? Or do you think God just placed him here by mistake? Do we see the image of God in those people? Not just ourselves, but others. Not just people who look like us, but people who don't look anything like us. And finally, do we see God in the cross? Do we see him in his eternal plan of redemption that he died for us, that we might be changed, transformed? I love this passage, and don't you ever forget the point when Jesus asked Bartimaeus, What is it that you want me to do for you? Because Jesus is asking each and every one of us that question. What is it that you want him to do for you? We could think of a whole litany of things. I want you to accept me. I want you to love me. I want you to forgive me. And Jesus, out of his infinite love, is going to say, I'll do those things. But you know what goes on with that? Is I'm not going to leave you where you are. I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you just like he changed Bartimaeus. I'm not only going to give you your physical eyesight, I'm going to give you your spiritual eyesight, and you're never going to be the same again. Don't discount those words at the end of Mark where he says what? His eyesight was restored immediately, and he followed Christ. He followed him on the way. I want to change you. I want to make you different. I want you to see me, and then I want you to follow me. Do you expect to see him? Do you expect to hear him? Because if you're really a follower of Jesus Christ, you should have both of those expectations, and every day of your life, you should have ears to hear and eyes to see, and you should be looking for Christ in you, in others, and the cross. We had the single-parent oil change yesterday. It was a great, great event. We changed oil on 47 cars. The most we've had in several years, I believe. But you know what was really great? Is to walk around and see my brothers and sisters in Christ. To see those people in this church watching Christ work in them and through them.
whether they were out in the garage changing oil underneath the car, whether they were doing the windows, whether they were like Laverne taking the Cadillacs around and around, driving them around and around the parking lot, whether they were checking them in, checking them out. You're still with me, Laverne, aren't you? Yes, she's up there. That's good. Or the people who were in there serving food, meeting with people, sharing, just establishing relationships. It was great to see Jesus Christ alive and well in brothers and sisters here in Centenary United Methodist Church. And then it was great to see Jesus Christ in the others who had come. I mean, some of those people we will probably never see again. They will probably never darken the halls of Centenary United Methodist Church until next year's single-parent oil change. But so what? I got to see Jesus. I met a lady from Bardstown who moved here about two years ago. She and I know Roscoe. Roscoe's the pastor of the AME Zion Church in Bardstown. We are very close. I have preached at his church, and he has preached at Bardstown. And it was great. It was great to talk to her, to establish a relationship, just to meet somebody else. And in so doing, I could see Jesus. I could see Jesus in my brothers and sisters, and I could see Jesus in those who showed up. I just need my oil changed. I could see Jesus in what we were doing. You know, we're so successful about that that I've threatened to open the centenary United Methodist Church Jiffy Loop. We'll open it on Sunday mornings. You can come and get your oil changed in your car, and then you can come inside and get your spiritual oil changed too. We do a great job. But for a few moments as brothers and sisters in Christ, we saw Jesus in each other. For a few moments as we shared food and shared love, we saw Jesus in each other. We saw Christ working. If you've ever wanted to see Jesus, you could have seen him yesterday. And my thanks to all of you who were here. That's what we need to be about. And from now on, I will always expect to see Jesus. That's what we need, folks, more than anything else. Because Jesus helps us to see people in new and different ways. He helps us to see ourselves, our families, our church, our neighbors, our community in new and different ways. He can help you see things that you've never seen before, but you've got to expect that you're going to see him. That he's going to restore your sight just like he restored the sight of Bartimaeus. When we come face to face with our Lord and Savior in heaven, our fondest dream is that he will know our face and we will know his. The last thing we want is the question, who are you? The fondest dream we have is that he will know our face and we will know his. And in seeing his face, we will realize that he has been with us from the beginning. He's always been with us here in church, out there at the old change, around the corner, down at the hub, out on the road in the rainbows. He's always been with us. We just needed eyes to see. And the expectation that we would actually see the living Lord, our Savior, the Savior.
the only Savior. Give me eyes, Lord. Give me eyes to see you every day. Would you bow your heads with me, please?